All right, what's good, everybody? It's your man, James Johnson, managing editor of the Jaguars Wire. Welcome to uh, episode, I guess we can call this episode 3.5 because it's a mock draft, uh, which we're going to briefly do here today um, of the Jags Dan podcast. As you all know, this is the flagship podcast of the Jaguars Wire, brought to you in part by USA Today. And today I am joined by uh, one of my partners in crime and Jacob DeLawrence, uh, who, as you all know, is a contributor on the site, the Jaguars Wire. Uh, so that being said, Jacob, uh, what's good with you, man? Yeah, I'm just happy to be here looking forward to doing a little mock draft and uh, trying to put Jaguars fans at ease and show the franchise how we should handle this draft and not mess it up. Amen. Let's uh, hope that... um. You know, let's hope that Dave Caldwell and Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone can find some common ground on the mock, or should I say on the draft that's upcoming this month. And, uh, you know, have a, a draft similar to what they did last year because, uh, you know, it was it was quite impressive to see what they did last year. But now that Coughlin's in the picture, uh, you know, we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, so that being said, you all know the site, USA Today. Uh, Jags Wire, that is jagswire.usatoday.com, excuse me. And uh, the Twitter handle for me, of course, is, as I said, sportsgrind underscore done. And uh, Jags Den Podcast is where you can follow us on Twitter. And at the Jaguars Wire is where you can follow the Jaguars, uh, the Jaguars Wire site officially on twitter so um also you can find us on itunes audio boom stitcher and soundcloud which we will link in the description and in the um the actual article that we post this on the site on and uh jacob uh go ahead and plug your handles real quick my man Uh, yeah if you're looking to find me on social media that's at underscore j della that's me on twitter instagram for whatever reason if you want to bother and harass me there but yeah on twitter <laughs> you find me and all my thoughts opinions and bueller on the jags the nba and anything else there and i promise you again please do not enter my mentions acting stupid because i am very very quick to respond with a gif and i have a lot of free time right now so <laughs> for me not so much so if they say something to me it probably won't even get a response or a look but <laughs> on to the show um, <laughs> uh, the topics at hand that we want to cover before we get into the actual mock itself is some stuff that's tied into the draft and some of the latest in Jags news that uh that's been buzzing around the Jags community uh the first one is the trade of Chris Smith to the Cincinnati Bengals for a conditional pick from uh, 2018. Uh, we will see what that exactly is in the future. I guess that would depend on how he does over in Cincinnati. Time will tell. And uh, I want to really quickly get the thoughts of Jacob on this situation. I mean, in regards to Chris Smith, as far as trading him for a conditional 2018 pick, it's a wash, basically. You're not really gaining anything. You're not really losing anything. At best, it's a cap dump. Because you took him in the fifth round. He didn't play last year at all, if I'm not mistaken. Or either he missed the majority of it. And you have a whole bunch of, you know, death there on the death chart. So you might as well let him go. Take a conditional pick for him. Hopefully it turns out to be 
probably it's probably gonna be a fifth or sixth or seventh rounder, and you never know. You might pull a stud out with that pick. So, right, right, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, a majority of the year I went back and looked at it. I can't remember the exact exact amount of number one the games, but he was inactive or on the inactive list for at least five games that I counted. So, you know, they weren't really getting any use out of them. You know, they have Dante Fowler um, and, of course, Yannick Ngakwe, who's the starter there, and uh, rightfully so. So, I mean, at that defensive end position, they got two young guns there, and he wasn't really seeing the field much. And, I mean, this could just be a case of them clearing room to add another pass rusher or another reserve in the draft. Uh, so to speak, on that side of the ball, at least, or, or that that defensive end position. Uh, but we'll have to see. And, um, I mean, to get anything out of Chris Smith in terms of a pick is good. So, I mean, you know, or nine times out of ten or, you know, just going forward, they would have probably just had to end up cutting him and getting nothing out of the deal. Now they get something out of the deal. The Cincinnati Bengals uh, get a player out of it. And uh, he joins that rotation uh, with Michael Johnson and – Geno Atkins and those guys, um, and Carlos Dunlap. Uh, so we'll see how he does with with those talented uh, players around him. So, also in the latest of news, uh, Jaguars concern. The Jaguars also cut Dan Scooter. Uh, really quick, Jacob, what's your thoughts on that situation? Uh, letting go of Dan Scudder again. They're clearing space. Is what they're doing. They're planning to replenish those positions in the draft so right now they're letting go veterans and players who didn't see much play or didn't contribute much so unfortunately for Scudder he was a casualty of that because we picked up three linebackers in free agency most are probably going to play on special teams but it's still three extra linebackers it's deaf and he just became expendable and again it was another a, we could use a little extra salary cap move because they saved about $4 million in it. So, again, I see where Coughlin and company are doing. You're clearing cap. You're getting rid of players who didn't contribute much. And you're looking at the draft in two weeks going, linebacker is deep. The D-line is relatively deep. We can get better pieces there that are cheaper. So, no complaints on that move either. Yeah, you pretty much just hit the nail on the head. Um, uh, one thing I want to also mention is uh, that I haven't really heard a lot of people talk about with this situation is uh, this could be a sign that the Jaguars may be moving on from that uh, that auto role, so to speak, that they were using under Gus Bradley, even though Todd Washington's the defensive coordinator and like Gus Bradley's best friend. But this could be an indication that they're basically trying to move away from that and basically what that is is a hybrid defensive end or a tweener as they refer to in NFL terms that uh, at times puts his hand in the dirt and at times stands up in two-point position though they didn't really use Dan Scooter for that all that much but um all I'm saying is it could be you know a sign of change coming to the defense uh, though you know it's no guarantee because they have said with Lorente McCray they asked him in the beginning of uh, when he first signed, basically, you know, if he could put his hand in the dirt. And he said yes. And, uh, you know, he also did, if I'm not mistaken, say that that is part of the plan uh, going forward with him. So maybe they could ju- maybe they just saw that McCray, a cheaper option, way cheaper option than Scooter, you know, could do some of the same things. They see some of the same talent and potential in him. 
so that being said they just decided to move on and uh also you know try and add some depth at the position or add some people like scooter in the draft so we'll see how that goes um next up we're going to talk on the nathan peterman situation as we all know nathan peterman went to um Bartram Trails High, that's on the outskirts of Jacksonville, not too far from uh, where I used to live or where I temporarily lived in Jacksonville over in Bartram Park. And uh, this is a young man that uh, initially he was a four-star recruit, according to rivals. Um, Some other sites had him as a three-star recruit, went to Tennessee. Um, And uh, in Tennessee, he saw where he probably wasn't going to get a lot of playtime, ended up transferring to Pittsburgh uh, with Jim Chaney. Who I think Jim Chaney actually um, recruited him going to Tennessee, and then Jim Chaney ended up becoming the offensive coordinator over at Pittsburgh University. And I think this is a case of him following Chaney, who recruited him. He went over to Pittsburgh, learned some good things from Chaney. Uh, furthermore, Chaney is also a guy that implements a pro-ready offense, so he, you know, he learned some uh, pro-like concepts over there. And nonetheless, uh, now. The Jacksonville Jaguars are bringing him in for a visit. So real quick, um, if you will, Jacob, what's your thoughts on them bringing in Nathan uh, Peterman? And do you think it means anything uh, or, you know, it could be a case of them just uh, throwing up smoke screens? Honestly, I feel like it could either be they're just throwing up a smoke screen. It's draft time. So you got to take everything as a possible smoke screen. And also they could legitimately be looking at him because like you said, he played in a pro style system. So he has that experience. He went to the senior bowl and scouts were saying he was the best quarterback there. Again, take that for what you want. It being the senior bowl in an era where if you're really good, you don't stay four years in college. But again, he did sit at Tennessee for basically two years. I mean, he's got second, third round fourth round talent according to a lot of people some say he could go as early as the second maybe the fourth if i'm the jags you might be able to get him at if he's there in the fifth round why not go get him you you got to do something to address the quarterback issue because again bb5 everybody's favorite person he's the biggest question mark right now so you don't have a clear replacement for him so you got to bring competition and honestly, that's what I really feel like it is. They're trying to bring in competition in some shape, form, or fashion. And they're also probably throwing up a smoke screen, trying to light a fire underneath Bortles. And hopefully we get better quarterback play because that's all that really is what any Jags fan wants. They don't care if it comes from Bortles, if Kaepernick is there, Mahone, Kaiser, whoever is better quarterback play. And the team is being built to succeed but again quarterback's most important position in this league and without that you go nowhere so true that true that and um yeah like uh like you were saying it's second third fourth round grades on peterman and typically what i do in terms of scouting when like it's a, a wide array of where that player could go i just stick with the round that's in the middle so that would be the third round. I, I would think he'd go roughly in the third round. I mean, but, you know, there are some quarterback-hungry teams in this league. That being said, somebody could take him early in the second. But if he's there in the third, I can understand the Jaguars taking him, though they have more pressing needs, so to speak. But at the end of the day, like Jacob said, you know, quarterback is the most important position on the field. You need to push there. 
Uh, so spending a third round pick there is not that big of a deal if that's what you think you're getting. Also, it's, it's been said that they might not pick up the fifth year option on Blake Bortles. You can bring in Peterman, uh, you know, groom him for a year maybe. And if Bortles doesn't prove anything in 2017, you got to back up for him. I mean, unless you want to continue to go on with him. So uh, that being said, we'll get straight into the mocks. Um, I know that Jacob said he was going to be using the uh, fan speak simulator. And as you all seen, have seen on the site with me, I've used it as well. Um, this time around, I just I went more with my gut. I was telling Jacob earlier, I kept getting uh, very crazy mocks that I would love to have, but I don't know if it, they're necessarily <laughs> realistic. <laughs> so I just went with my gut, that being said, uh, because, you know, the fans and whatnot, they'll, they'll be quick to look at the site and be like, oh, that ain't happening, this, that, and the other. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I guess you could say who cares. If you think it's going to happen, then go with your gut. So um, that's what I'm going to do here. And uh, I'm going to let Jacob uh, go with the first round first. We're going to start with the first round. And uh, who you got? We uh, Who do you have us taking with the fourth overall pick? All right. Uh, I've done a few mocks with this fourth overall pick, and I've traded it a few times. But we're just going to go on the assumption that if we keep it, I'm taking Solomon Thomas out of Stanford. You need the help and the depth on the line. He's a lot of people consider him the second best pure athlete player in this draft class behind Miles Garrett, who is presumably the number one overall pick. But then again, the Browns are taking number one, so don't bet your house on him going number one. But Solomon Thomas definitely is a good pick. Pair him with Calais Campbell. You can move Fowler in and off of the line. That creates havoc. And if I'm an offensive coordinator, if I'm an offensive line coach, I don't want to see that coming my way. Because good luck, basically. Yeah, man. He would just cause misfits. They, they're they already suited to cause misfits, as they are with Malik and Calais and Yannick and, and um, Fowler. You know, they can do different things with him. And those guys are so interchangeable, especially Calais. You know, you can put him at five. You can put him at, well, I guess the five is really like, in Twitter terms, it's the four technique. You could put him at nose tackle. He's played at nose tackle for crying out loud at in in Arizona uh, from the games that I watched. So this is a guy that can do a bit of everything. And then you got Malik who can, you know, Malik can play the three at defensive tackle. He can even play the five. He showed that in um, Denver. And a lot of people forget that he can kick to the outside. So there's that. And Fowler, you can stand him up, put his hand in the dirt. And you add Thomas into that equation, then, you know, things really get out of hand and, uh, offensive coordinators can't key in on one person because you know that Todd Wash is going to move those guys around to confuse people and it's going to cause problems for def- uh, for offenses. So um, that being said, I went with Thomas as well. Although there is talk that he could go second overall to the San Francisco 49ers and the, there's the Stanford connection with John Lynch who is their new GM, former safety from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But, I mean, I, I, I look at their roster, and the more and more I look at their roster, they have DeForest Buckner. They have Eric Armstead. They are similar athletes to Solomon, uh, Solomon Thomas. And I think adding one more guy like that really doesn't do them any justice. And I think, you know, they could very well pull the trigger on the quarterback there for Kyle Shanahan, who, I mean, as we all know, he has an offensive background. You only go as far as your offense takes you if you're an offensive coordinator 
turn head coach and they could use a guy like say you know a Watson Mitchell Trubisky even though they would kind of be reaches there they they simply need a quarterback to you know start things off so uh that being said we're going to go into the second round who do you got Jacob in round two I have if he's available Cam Robinson Mm-hmm. Because Cam has been, I've done this uh, mock draft a few times, and Cam has either gone late in the first, or he's been right there in the uh, second round. So I would definitely take Cam Robinson. Watched him play at Alabama for all those years. He is the type of player where you can stick him anywhere on that O line, especially at left tackle, and know that your quarterback is safe on that side. You don't have to worry. So protecting Bortles' blind side, I would definitely take Cam Robinson. That also helps out your run game. So that's a smart pick. Boost up that O-line, which you didn't really do in free agency, but you tried to. So there you go. Falls in your lap. Yeah, a lot of mocks I've seen have him, especially on the simulator, have him fall into us at that point. But I, I still don't know if that's going to be, like, realistic. When you look at, like, the back of the first round and, like, all of the teams that could use a left tackle or a guard or wherever you want to put him, it's a lot of teams that need offensive line help. And I think especially a team like the Seahawks or the Falcons will be willing to take a chance on him, you know, two zone teams that need offensive line help. And I mean, at their at the point they're at, you know, playoff teams, you know, that really need offensive line help or could use it. You know, what what is there to lose? You know, if there's a if there's a concern for character issues. So I mean, I think those teams are like teams that are more willing to take a chance on him. But that being said, if he falls to us in the second round, I'm all for it. I'm a big fan of of, of uh, Cam Robinson. My only thing is I don't see him as a left tackle as a lot of people see him when looking on film. I don't know that he has the feet for the NFL. Um, and sometimes, you know, he just, he concerns me as a left tackle. Right tackle, maybe. Yes, I think he can handle the athletes that you would face on that side of the ball. But, you know, in the NFL, there's some freakish, some quick twitch guys at that defensive end position that you have to deal with on the blind side that I'm not sure that Cam Robinson could, could deal with. Uh, furthermore, I see Cam Robinson as more of a guard. So, I, I mean, I would be fine with that. And he would be a very, very good Pro Bowl caliber guard when you look at the attributes that he brings to the table, uh, you know, with the feet, uh, this, that, and the other. And, uh, you know, he has a good grip as well. Like when he lunges on to an opponent, they're not going anywhere. So those are the traits of a guard to me. And uh, that being said, I would take him if he was there in the second round. But I got us taking Dan Feeney. Everybody know it. I mean, it's no secret. I'm a big Dan Feeney fan. Um, I know there's a little bit left to be desired in the run game, but he does enough there, and I think that Coach uh, Pat Flaherty would do a good job with Dan Feeney, who's a zone spot uh, blocking specialist. And uh, this is a guy that most people see as a pure zone blocking guard, which is that's fine with me. Uh, so be it, you know, because I don't think Jaguars are going to change schemes anytime soon. So. He also allowed A.J. Can to move back to the left side, who I'm not that high on. Uh, but, I mean, I think he is better suited at the left guard position. And, uh, you know, they would they would cure a lot of woes for the offensive line. So, third round, we're going to go to that pick. Who you got going there, Jacob? Uh, third round is another one of those. If he's there, you have to take him. That's Evan Ingram out of Ole Miss because you got rid of Julius Thomas. We all understood he could not put his hand down. 
So every time he came into the game, you realize they're going to pass the ball. Ingram held his own in the SEC. He is able to put his hand down. He's not the best of blocking tight ends, but also he is better than what you had, and it's a need position. Again, you got to protect your quarterback, and you also got to add another weapon for your quarterback. Right, right. If he's there, once again, like you said, that I'm fine with that. Um, just a superior athlete, very good athlete at that. And, yeah, he has shown the ability at times to put his hand in the dirt or block. At least sometimes he didn't necessarily put his hand in the dirt to do so. But, I mean, he's shown the willingness to block, and he's shown some potential there, as, and to your credit. So, um, however, I don't know that he'll be available there. I went with Marlon Mack. From the um, UC USF Bulls, big fan of his, um, the quick twitch guy. I've seen a comparison to Denar Robinson, which I don't understand that one because it's you know Marlon Mack is more suited to be a running back as opposed to um, Robinson. You know he I've seen him run through people at times, which you don't really see with Robinson, and I've seen him do a little bit of it all. But um, just to give a general synopsis on him, you know he's got good hips perfect for zone blocking changes directions well you know he got a little weight on him too i think he's at 213 or 214 currently so uh, this is a guy i think that you can just come Mm -hmm. in um plug him into the offense in some manner i don't know where you would put him like either you would start ivory or um start mac because i'm not sure tj yeldon is the guy but uh whatever capacity you put those two in i think they could be your one two and i think those two in particular uh, they they complement each other well, though I don't know Chris Ivory is necessarily a fit. We'll have to see, but um, those could be your one two guys going forward, in my opinion. And I like what he brings to the table. So uh, we're gonna go into round four. Uh, Jacob, who you got? Oh, go ahead, man. Round. F- I was gonna say on the pick of Mac. I like that the comparison to Robinson is that he's an athlete, but he's more more physical. You're able to stick him wherever is what. The comparison is what I get when people go, oh, he's like Denard. He's like Shoelace. Yeah, but he's bigger and he's more physical. It's just you can stick him everywhere else. So I actually like that idea of pairing him with Yeldon and letting Ivory go. That's actually not a bad idea. All right. So uh, round four, who you got going there? I, I struggled with this personally, but um, I'm curious. <laughs> this is where it gets tricky in the draft for me because looking into the fourth round, what do you do? It's depending upon the first couple rounds because you have so many holes. You could go grab a quarterback. I personally wouldn't. Every draft I've done so far, I've taken defensive help. And in uh, this one, I'm going Marcus Williams to safety just to add more depth back to your secondary. And he is an interchangeable safety. So it's not a bad pick. It's more of a safe pick at this point. Right. Yeah, you're right. It's it's tricky in the fourth round because for the Jaguars, say they they pick so early in the fourth round. You know, it's been said that you can get starters in the top three rounds. Well, the Jaguars pick so early in the fourth round that they might can get a starter there. It just depends on who the who's the best available player there. So it just it depends on like at that point you're not choosing to to fix needs. And the Jacksonville Jaguars they are on record for saying this. When you get into the fourth round, it's just about like getting the best available player, uh, according to Dave Caldwell. So it's just a matter of who you think will be available there. I don't 
know who will be available there because the fourth round is so sporadic and the end of the third round is sporadic. You can't get a general consensus on that part. But I went with Dewan Smoot from um and I'm on record for um actually I put him in one of our last articles uh, as a defensive end prospect for the for us to look out for. But um, you know, he went to Illinois, uh learned under Lovey Smith basically. And I mean I just see a athlete that is similar to Yannick Ngakwe, not completely similar. There's some things he needs to work on that Yannick does better. But I mean, at this point they cut Chris Smith. Um, maybe they could be looking for more production behind Yannick or Dante, especially if they move Dante to to Otto or something or whatever they choose to do. I don't know what they're going to choose to do with Dante. Is the that's the big question mark. But anyway, you know you can never really have enough pass rushers, and I think Dewan Smoot kind of fits that role of Yannick and a guy that can maybe stand up as well and rush from the outside if they want to continue to do that. So. Uh, that's who I went from out of Illinois. All right, so that that'll end that. Um, anything else in particular that you wanted to talk about, like draft wise, uh, heading into the draft? What we we looking at? What two weeks now? We are uh, two weeks out from the draft right now. Main focus: if I'm the Jags, by now you should have an idea of what you're going to do with that number four pick, and I'm hoping and praying that it's not a running back. Because I really just don't see the need in taking Cook or Fournette. Trust me, I love both of them. They're both home run hitters. One is a better receiver than the other. One is slightly more physical than the other. One has They both have injury issues from college. They're clearly the best two backs, though. But you don't need one. You got Ivory. You got Yeldon. You don't need a back with that number four pick. Honestly, I would trade it. Stockpile on picks. Fill these other holes in. If you could fall back to right. New Orleans, if you could fall back to New Orleans and pick up some extra picks in like the second and third round, that's not a bad idea. Or you can call Cleveland up, let them take Garrett number one. We'll assume that uh, San Fran and Chicago, neither one of them takes, one of them doesn't take a quarterback, so that leaves either Deshaun or Trubisky. Let Cleveland come back, get their next quarterback of the future. That moves us back to 12. You can make a better, safer pick because at 12, let's say Thomas is gone. That's fine. You can go pick up O.J. Howard. Or if you really, really, really want to go get a running back, it's not as bad of a reach taking Cook or Fournette at 12 versus number four. Right, right. Plus you got draft Uh, picks too. So That's true. One thing I want to touch on that you just basically touched on is Cook's situation. And, like, as of late, like, the big uh, draft gurus and whatnot, they've been saying that a lot of people are concerned with Cook's character. And I've even seen, um, well, at least in the simulator, he fell to me in the second round. I don't know if that's going to be the case. But, I mean, we have seen some players that were very good players slide due to, like, character issues. And, I mean, that's another guy to consider at that second-round pick. If, by some miracle, he's there, you know, the Jaguars should probably look into that. I mean, and the bottom line is at the second-round pick, they're probably leaning towards taking somebody who has character issues because you look at all the guys that's fallen to them that we've already talked on, like Cam Robinson, there is some degree of character issues there. So, I don't know, like, what kind of disciplinarian Coughlin is and how he – what's his stance on players with character issues. But 
I think at that point you got to consider it, especially if you want to get better as a team, because a very good player could fall to them at that rate. So they got to be prepared for that. So um, uh, as for the fourth overall pick, I, I'm with you. I don't want to take a running back there. I don't think it's 1995 anymore. And, you know, people have been going back and forth with me on this on the site and on social media. But, I mean, if they're going to do it, like you said, trade back and do it and get some value out of it. Um, but that being said, I won't say, as you did, that they don't need a running back. They, I feel like they do, but not that early. And that, that would just kind of be a reaching bad value at that rate. So, you know, we'll see what they do. My biggest concern, though, is that three defensive linemen go first in the first three picks. And the Jaguars are really stuck in a pickle to take a running back there. Uh, let's just say Thomas and then um, uh, Thomas. Who else is it? Uh, Allen and Allen, Jonathan Allen. the last one. Yeah, Allen, Thomas, and uh, Miles Garrett go in the first three picks. You know, they, they are in a really tough situation at that point because you don't have great value at that pick at that point. You you might have to reach and take a running back. But, I mean, that's just my opinion. Uh, hopefully, if that happens, they can get out of there. But if they stay – uh, let's hope I, I'm hoping that they get one of the um, linemen in Thomas or uh, Allen. So that's my thoughts on that. We're going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. Um, hold on one second. I got a notification. Excuse me. OK. Yeah, I was trying to make sure it wasn't any breaking news on the Jags in there, which it is. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, James Johnson here, uh, managing editor of USA Today's Jaguars Wire. Follow me at sportsgrind underscore Don on Twitter. And you can follow us as well as the Jags Den Podcast on Twitter and the Jaguars Wire on Twitter. So feel free to check that out. And we'll have the SoundCloud, iTunes, and Audio Boom links all in the description. So, uh, Jacob, go ahead and close it out. Let them know your handles, and uh, we're going to wrap it on up. Uh, yeah, definitely. If you're looking to follow me on Twitter, that's at underscore J Della, J D E L A. Again, please think twice before you enter my mentions. I'm always here for fun, open conversation, healthy conversation. That's perfectly fine. We're both fans here. We all want to see the franchise do better and succeed. And really, as a fan, if you think about it, sometimes you just got to put your personal feelings about a player to the side and think for the greater good. But again, that's at underscore J Della on Twitter. And like James said, make sure you follow the Jags Den podcast along with the Jags Wire uh, Twitter account as well. And yeah. All right. So um, as for a, another podcast and when we're going to have Coach or um, Phil join us, uh, we were still in discussions about that. So uh, we'll just post it on Twitter uh, as we come to you know agreement on that uh, so that being said we appreciate everybody listening in or everybody that will listen should i say and uh until next time with episode four y'all hang in there